We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. I am Scott Jensen, joined today again by Andrew Laird. We'll be breaking down DFS for you uh, every week during the season. Uh, looking forward to week one here in a couple of weeks. But uh, this week, we're going to expound on a few more uh, topics. We've already hit some strategy stuff, some uh, some contest selection stuff. And then also at the end, we're going to uh, talk about some offenses we're excited about, uh, kind of from a DFS perspective, some questions on coming into the season with a couple of weeks left what we've seen from some teams and, you know, some, uh, some guys we're looking forward to maybe playing early on in the year that, uh, that, that might be a, a little bit different than what you're thinking. Uh, Andrew, first of all, how are you this morning? I'm doing really well. We're getting so close to the season. We are. Um, I can feel it. Yeah. It, I did notice that FanDuel uh, took all their contests down for week one and put them back up. So I'm curious what I didn't ultimately see what the, uh, what the issue was there, but it was a little scary that I was like, Oh, maybe they're not going to do football this year. That would have been a, that would have been a big sport for them to just kind of skip. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe let's, we were going to see some more Premier only do, League. Let's but, only do NASCAR and golf. Let's, that's uh, right. Let's fail in the NFL real that's quick. That's right. That's right. Real hardcore uh, DFS guys. Before we really jump into the NFL and uh, some DFS, did you know that uh, Rotowire has a college football podcast? That's right. Host Nick Whalen and John McKechnie will be hosting podcasts each Wednesday throughout the season with a focus on fantasy and betting. Just search for Rotowire College Football anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, interesting note, college football is actually back on uh, DFS. There was some some stuff with the NCA for a few years, but uh, college football is back in DFS too. Andrew, are you a college football fan? Do you play college DFS at all? Uh, I I dipped my toe into college basketball uh, did okay. last year when it, when it came back, but college football I generally stay away from the the depth of knowledge required to like be yes. really good at college football. I just don't have that time anymore, particularly because um, doing my soccer stuff that's a big Saturday activity, and so um, I'd have to give that up, which is a big part of my job. So that. I'm not sure my employers would be all that happy about it. So um, I generally stay away from college football. I let Nick and John kind of tell me where to go. But um, yeah, college basketball is really my uh, my college uh, sport of choice. 
Yeah, college football DFS is fun, but like you said, it's just so they 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 do they do uh, kind of pare down the the slate. They're yep. usually like a you know twelve games on this slate. They do a morning slate, afternoon slate. It's very fun, but the you know obviously high scoring. You get a lot of you know Big Twelve games in college football are usually fifty three to forty eight, but uh, it's fun. But like you said, really difficult. The 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 the, uh, the bandwidth you need there is a lot. So uh, John and Nick are really good at that. Uh, I've talked a lot of college football with John in the past. We did a couple of DFS podcasts last year, and it kind of uh, every time we talked about a, a young player he went into their college career and he's really good at that so that's it's a good podcast to listen to if you happen to uh play season-long college football or you you bet on college football or you play dfs a good thing to tune into there for sure for sure so let's uh let's jump into uh, back into the nfl uh so uh, a few things that we want to talk about uh, the first uh is late swap that's uh it's a rule that's kind of gone back and forth a lot of DFS sites and a bunch of different sports. Uh, you know, NBA went back and forth with it. Uh, football does have late swap, uh, both on DraftKings and on FanDuel. Andrew, you're, you're good at explaining kind of general strategy rule stuff. Why don't you explain what late swap is and, and how it works? Yeah, so uh, generally speaking, now that the two, the main sites have late swap, Yahoo has it as well. Um, so your, your team is essentially able to be changed up until kickoff from that player's particular game. So if you have a guy in the 4 o'clock game, uh, sorry, 4 o'clock Eastern, um, yes. that's the late, <laughs> the late uh, game for me uh, right. other than Sunday night. Um, so if you have somebody in that game uh, and you want to change him during the 1 o'clock games, you can do that. Obviously, once the 1 o'clock games start um, and you have players in those games, those guys are locked in. But you, until your late guys st- uh, start, you can change them. And I think a lot, what a lot of people think is, well, like, oh, we, the easy way to use that is for guys who are questionable to play. Because the NFL, you know, it's like you, we get enough indications, but there are times where that first round of inactives come out and you, we still don't know. And it's, you're, you're waiting pretty much all afternoon or mornings for some people um, to find out if a guy in, in the later um, wave of games is going to play. And kind of the the initial thought on late swap is like, oh, well, that's this great. We have this option that if he doesn't play, I can just switch to somebody else. And, you know, the I, you could theoretically switch to like the backup who is now the starter and you can, you know, that's a, a fairly easy one. But we have to remember that these are salary cap games. And so if you are going to the backup who is presumably much cheaper uh, and you, that's the only spot you have, then you are uh, leaving a good, good amount of salary left on the table, which... Uh, we had mentioned previously, like you don't feel so obligated to spend all of your salary, but if it's somebody that you paid way up for, uh, who's playing in a late game and, uh, all of a sudden he's out, um, the, the money that you could have used, uh, is wasted and the, there's really no benefit to leaving all of that money. And so, um, I'm trying to think of a ridiculous, uh, example that I haven't used already this season, unfortunately, but, um, (laughs) but like, let's say that Alvin Kamara is questionable and you're not sure you're, you're going to play him. Um, but he's probably one of the most expensive players, uh, on a slate. Usually, uh, Latavius Murray, you're like, Oh, I'll just go to Latavius Murray. And yes, you can do that. Uh, and you can leave all this money on the table, but you're not, you can't possibly expect Latavius Murray to produce as much as Alvin Kamara. So like, you're paying less and you're getting less and you're kind of handicapping yourself in that situation. So then there's always the possibility that instead of Kamara, you can switch over to Dalvin cook. If he's playing in a, in a four o'clock game, although I now I'm picking a guy who's always hurt, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's like, Oh, I'll, I'll just switch to him. And these are things that you should be thinking about well before the slate starts, like not before the four o'clock games or the inactives come out. Like this is something you need to think about well before, because you don't want to be in a situation where you want to play one guy and he's out. And now you're either taking a guy who's not nearly as good because you're just taking the backup or you're taking another high price running back just because he's high priced. Like there, there is a definite strategy that goes into late swap, even just for these questionable players that, you need to think about before the the games start at one o'clock Eastern. Like the, do I want it? Is there an acceptable pivot uh, at the same price range? Like if it's two guys that are fairly close and you're like, I'd rather play a, but if B plays and a doesn't like, I'm okay with that, but that's fine. You don't have to make late swap complicated, but you need to think of it beforehand because the last thing you want to do is, you know, if you set your lineups and you go out for the day and all of a sudden you find out that the guy you're depending on in this late game is out or the late uh, wave is out, 
Um, you don't want to be scrambling at that moment thinking like, now I have no idea who to play. And right. the player pool is so much smaller because all of the earlier games are over. Yeah. And I, I, I usually look at it sometimes from a two by two thing, you know, yeah. in your example, like with, with Camara, uh, you know, you're probably going to want to go to Latavius Murray because suddenly, you know, that's an interesting play and a cheap play because Camara's not playing anymore. What I do, uh, I usually do if something like that. If I do have a stud running back who's questionable and I actually think it's, you know, a real possibility isn't play is I usually have a, I'll usually have a cheap ride receiver that I'm playing in the afternoon game. So someone that, uh, you know, pairs with Kamara well, but I'm also looking for an expensive wide receiver. So I know if I go from Kamara to Latavius Murray, then I can then go from, you know, cheap receiver A up into up to uh, an expensive receiver playing after, say, Devontae Adams, who has a late game, something like that. Um, I like to do a two-by-two thing because I want to get the value from the new uh, running back who's sliding into, into Kamara's spot. But I also want to use that money somewhere else. So maybe it'd be, maybe it'd be a tight end if George Kittle on the West Coast is playing. I want some sort of flexibility so I can do a two-by-two two swap. And I don't know if that's a, a common practice or I'm a little bit different there. But uh, I like to do that because I, I still want to get that uh, that value from the, the cheap running back who's uh, you know some, who's, who's filling in for the starter. Right. And so I think that's a, a fantastic strategy. Like that's exactly what you want to do is that if you are going to be downgrading at one position, you want to be able to upgrade at the other. Like just think of right. if you're building your lineup from the beginning. And so... Uh, you know, if you're going to say, I'm actually going to pay down at running back, you're not just going to sit there and be like, I'll just eat the 3000 in salary. Like, of course you're not going to do that, but right. you're going to end up doing that. If you don't do something like a two V two, I mean, you can go bigger than that as well. Obviously right. this doesn't work if you're playing the single time, you know, if you play like the early <laughs> slate, that's, they're all the same time. So the late swap doesn't right. really apply or the showdown single games. But, um, what you want to do is when you're playing something like if you're looking to play like a questionable player is give yourself as many options as possible if he doesn't play and make sure you know what those options are before a slate so that you're not just scrambling during the slate. Yeah, it's hard because you you kind of do that naturally for the 10 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock Pacific game. Sorry. You do that naturally for 10 o'clock games. You're like, oh, I'm going to slide from this guy, this guy. And you just don't, you don't think about it when, when you're doing late games. And it's hard because sometimes there's only, you know, two or three, one exactly. o'clock games. Exactly. Yes. It, the NFL has some, has some schedules that are not weighted very evenly. Every once in a while we get like five late games and it's fun, but sometimes you get two, sometimes you get three, and especially when you get the weeks of bye weeks. So it's it's hard to know. It, there may not be an expensive receiver that's playing at one Exactly. Time. Usually there's there's someone on the high end you could play, but you got to make sure you've got someone on the cheap end you like in the afternoon game too. So it it takes some pre-thinking, which I think, you know, sometimes people are like, like you said, just, oh, if it gets hard, I'll just swap somebody in. But it doesn't really work that way. And sometimes you know, if you want to use the money and Kamara gets hurt, there might not be another expensive running back to swap evenly too. So it's uh, it's something you got to think about beforehand. I think people are like, oh, I'm playing the best team, but you know, sometimes you got to think about if there's a player that you really think might not play, and those are those those are like, oh, you know, how how he looks in warmups might determine it. Uh, I always have an option. I, I think the the two by two option is really good. Uh, you can go one by one if it's you know say, say a mid range guy that you think is going to play and you get you know something happens and obviously if you get a surprise inactive you just have to do what you got to do and you, you know, sometimes you can't plan for it. But um, if you have a questionable guy, I think it makes a lot of sense. You, you got to plan for it and you can use it to your advantage. And it, it, it's not just an injury play. You'll talk right now, but uh, how do you use it for strategy purposes? Yeah, so uh, it's a little different um, how you use it in cash games and GPPs because. Uh, obviously this is not just for, um, for injury situations, although people generally think it applies perfectly for that, which it does. But, uh, what you want to do with late swap, let's say in cash games is depending on how much you're playing, uh, whether you're playing a bunch of head to heads or double ups during the one o'clock games, pretty much when they're about to be over, I wish we had a better term since you and I are on different coasts here, but, um, during the we'll call it we'll call it a halftime of our Sunday halftime Sunday you're right um yeah so if you just look at a head-to-head so you're in a situation where you're you only have to beat one player one other person and if you're behind in after the first wave of games and you can look um there are some extensions that are available rotowire has a tool also now that's Actually, I don't know if it's come out yet. I've tested it, but we'll, we'll have this tool where nice, you'll be able nice, to nice yeah, upload uh, contest standings, whether it's in a double up or a GPP or even just a head to head. And in, it'll break down the salary left um, on the for your opponent, as well as like the roster spots that are open. And we'll even su- like put in suggestions of who we think those players might be. So if you're in a situation where even if you have a few other guys, or maybe it's literally just you have two guys left and similar salary, 
if you are losing after the first wave of games and you have the same players in the second game, you're, you lost. There's no way to win. Right. So you use late swap to change those guys. And obviously we don't know a hundred percent for sure who our opponents have until the games lock. But generally speaking, if you know, you, you guys have one player left, it's a running back and there's 9,000 in salary and Alvin Kamara is $9,000. You're like, he's probably going to be who my right. opponent has. But if you're losing at that point and then you both put Kamara for your final player, you're out. You lost. So Alvin Kamara cannot score more points for you than he can for your opponent. Um, so at least not in classic slates. So um, you need to pivot. And that's when you use late swap. Instead of Kamara, you go to Melvin Gordon if he ever comes back or any other expensive running back. And you may have to eat some salary in that position. But you're at least giving yourself the possibility to come back because if you guys have the same player, there's no way for you to win. Yeah. I mean, it's a really simple point, but it's a really good point. And people, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, 10 o'clock, uh, when the game start my time, uh, we go, uh, my team's set, I'm good to go. And, uh, a lot of people, if they don't hear an injury, they don't really go back in and, and study their their matchups, and it's just a mistake. I mean, they give you this option late swap. Uh, you know, I so I know sometimes it's a pain. The last thing you want to do is jump back on your computer and do moves, but it's a strategy piece. And like you said, especially in a head to head, I mean, you can usually figure out uh, with with two or three games in the afternoon slate who your who your opponent probably has. Like you said, you don't know for sure, and if it's a cheap wide receiver, you know, it could be many options, but. You can usually get a pretty good feel, and you know, looking at percentages owned and uh, you know, projected percentage owned, because you won't know the exact guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can usually have a pretty good feel for who you're playing. And like you said, and, and on the flip side though, if you're ahead, you know, you want to. I think you want to keep Kamara. I mean, it, it, using it in the same example, if you're ahead, you want your opponent to have to pivot. I think if, it, it's important to know that it's not just a strategy if you're behind. If you're ahead, you want to make sure and look at that. And if you're ahead, you can maybe even swap to someone you think is higher percentage in cash games. If you have a if you have kind of a sneaky play you like, but you're way ahead in your cash games, you know, it might make sense to go to the the more boring high percentage player to kind of keep yourself safe. Yeah. So uh, I think what's what's really important is if you don't want to have to do all of this, you're like, oh, I, I late swap. If my guys are in, I'm fine. Like, just right. realize that so many of the people that you are playing are doing this. And so sure. they are using a strategy to beat you. And so you're like, oh, I can't believe I lost this week. And it's like, well, if you had just pivoted from this guy to this guy, like you would have won. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't, this isn't like hours of work. I mean, I guess if you have hundreds of head to heads, then you, that'll take some work to get through. But um, then you're probably not complaining about late swapping if you have that many head to heads. But um, right. so this is where there's a little bit of game theory here. And I think a lot of people kind of misunderstand how game theory works in DFS and they kind of just think like, Oh, I'll just take low owned players. And like, that's, that's not really game theory. Um, and there are plenty of ways that game theory is used here, but specifically in these situations, like in a head to head or even a double up where if you are behind, uh, you need to pivot to get away from the guy you think the people above you have. And subsequently, if you are ahead, it is your goal to, end up with the same guys that these people have, because again, if you're ahead (laughs) and you have the same people, you're going to win. And so this is where, um, it's a, it's a little difficult in a sport like football because there are so many people. So there's a, there's a good possibility that you can play a ton of head to heads every week and you generally don't end up against the same people. But if you're in a situation where you do kind of see other kind of usernames and you're like, I know how this guy plays or this person's not very good. And so maybe I'll target them a little more. Um, like you, you get an idea of whether they will pivot or not. And there are some people, like we said, there are some people who don't and you, and you you think if we have the same guys, I know they're not going to move and then you're set, but you have to think that they are also thinking, wait, I have to pivot. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of this thought process of if you're ahead and you're playing somebody, and if you're ahead and you think we have the same guys left and you know that they're going to pivot, you should pivot also. Because the the goal is to land on the same players. Like, it sounds a little counterproductive because you're thinking like, oh, I'm ahead, why should I pivot? Right. But really what you're trying to do is, if when you're ahead, end up with the same guys. Because if you have the same guys left, you win. There, there's no way that you can lose that situation. Um, so you, it's almost like you have to figure out like how into game theory your opponents are, which again is not the easiest right. thing. 
Um, but even, but so you mentioned like even in bigger ones, but in double ups, if it seems like there's a player uh, or two on the later slate of games that uh, should be higher owned, like there really aren't that many high owned people in the first wave, or you think, you know, Kamara is cheap this week, so everybody's going to have him. And if you're behind in a double up, you and you think everybody above you has them, then you need to go somewhere else. And subsequently, if you're ahead and you think everybody will have Kamara, then yes, yeah, you stay with them and uh, just make sure that you have the, the higher owned guys at that point because lower owned guys, players won't hurt you as much because not as many people have them. Yeah, it's funny. The the head-to-head is kind of the uh, the old Friends episode. They don't know that you know that we know that exactly. you know kind of thing. Exactly. Where you go, you know, you could, the problem is if you're ahead and you're like, oh, this guy's going to swap to Melvin Gordon, and you do it too, and he sticks with Kamara because either he thinks you're going to swap and, and can protect your lead, or he just is not paying attention, or he's got family obligations that afternoon. It's just one of those things you, you're trying to predict. It's tough, but um, I tend to usually stick with the higher percentage guy in a cash game and not overthink it, but uh, I, I fully understand what you're saying. I, I, I want to believe that there these double ups are big enough in terms of like number of player of fantasy players in there that that you really you have to be really far behind. And obviously, like, yeah, you'll know how far behind you are. Uh, but there's also the situation where if you are well behind, but also have a ton of players left, like that's different. Like, don't just swap because you're behind, like. Sure. You have to recognize, and that's one of the things that our tool has. It'll show you like how many, and you can actually see this right on DraftKings and FanDuel of like how many minutes uh, remaining they have on their roster. And if you're you have, you know, six players left, and the people ahead of you have two, then obviously you know you'll be able to catch up. But it's more in those situations where like if you have the same number of players left and roughly the same salary, or even if you know that if uh, like if if you're ahead in a head-to-head and you have. 8,000 in salary left and the other person has 5,500 and you know who the $5,500 running back is like you could swap to eat the 3,000 in salary then because at least you know you're going to win yeah that's that's interesting I hadn't thought about that way either I mean you may want to swap from Alvin Kamara to someone who who's cheap in that situation if you kind of know who it is but uh, that's yeah that's an interesting one and the, the point is good on the on the behind and players left I mean if you if you have, like you said, if you have two guys left, that's a lot different than if you have Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill right. and Travis Kelsey stack coming up. Right. Like you might be behind on purpose. You might be behind because you plan it that way. You might be behind because you like the afternoon game. So it's a, it's a really good point because I think you're right. I think people are like, oh my god, I'm behind. I got to switch to a bunch of you know low percentage guys, but not necessarily true. There are some there are some days where the afternoon games are big scoring games, and you know maybe the lineup you built originally is is the lineup you want. Right, and and you just have to recognize that uh, to see like. The, the teams that are in this ahead of you, like if they, if you were like, Oh no, like I'm really far behind and they have a chief stack. And I thought my chief stack was going to get me back. Uh, maybe you go to whoever the chiefs are playing, because if you're hoping that game is high scoring on both sides, then theoretically, if maybe your guys outscore the chiefs guys, like you can move your way up, but like, you're not going to move up if you have the same guys. So like the late swap, like make even like the term itself like makes it sound like you're just like swapping in one player for another because he's hurt right and like i think when it started like that was fundamentally like the idea that like nobody wants the the worst thing in in dfs is like having to take a zero which is like one of the big complaints about nba injuries because right. they come out so late and all of a sudden you have this great lineup and a giant zero and so late swap was meant to avoid zeros and yep. but there's actually a significantly greater way to use it. Um, and it's with these, with the ability to see standings during, you know, in these staggered start time uh, slates that uh, it's a, a fantastic tool that can allow you to pivot and move up when previously you wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And some people are like, you know, like we said, I, you know, I don't want to mess with it, but I can promise you that the, the better players in DFS absolutely use lace swap to their advantage. Yeah. It's, I mean, so many people will utilize this ability and, uh, however you want to to use it, but like people are using it. So if you yep. if you are saying I'm not going to do this, either play this a single time slate, which is perfectly fine. They offer early slates, yep. they offer late slates, and I know plenty of people who play them be- because of that reason. Um, yep. They they don't want to have to go through it. Obviously, the prize pools are going to be smaller. So um, if you want to go in and say if I don't want to touch my team, but my upside is. 50,000 instead of a million, that's up to you. Um, But, you know, you just have to make that decision because if you're going to play these slates that go multiple times, you're playing against people who are 
who are taking advantage of late swap. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you about uh, moving into GPP late swap, but first a note from our sponsor, Sports Predictor. The team of professional bettors at sportspredictor.com are an elite group of long-term winners. They're here to help you beat your bookie. They win. The entire team at Sports Predictors have a proven, profitable edge. They're data-driven. They use productive, predictive sports models to consistently find, find value. They're honest and transparent. Every pick for every handicapper every day is published on their website. Subscribers are limited. Every Sports Predictor package has a subscriber limit. When they hit that number, they close the new, to new members. They also educate bettors with informative articles and the Sports Predictor podcast to help you learn from Sports Predictor professionals. Choose a professional handicapping service that operates with integrity and a winning edge. Choose sportspredictor.com. So, Andrew, GPPs are a little more interesting with late swap because, you know, with, with head-to-heads and, and double-ups, you've got high percentage guys. You know that if someone's sitting there and it's, it's Alvin Kamara, you can kind of figure out who it is. In GPPs, someone like Kamara is 25% owned, uh, something like that, if it's, if it's high-owned. So you still have 75% people that aren't using that player. So how do you deal with, with late swap and GPPs? I think that people, uh, you know, people that are behind, like, do crazy stuff and suddenly you're going to play the 3,500 running back. And, you know, I don't think that necessarily is, is a good idea. I usually tend to be the person that, you know, I'm still trying to score as many points as I can, but you do have to use it in GPPs too. How do you kind of uh, address that? I mean, you generally need to, it's still sort of an ownership question of are the people that I have going to be owned? And if they're going to be owned and you're wildly behind, uh, there's really no benefit to owning them because uh, the points that you get will also be the points that your opponents who are ahead of you get. And so I realize that there are the ownership levels are still not quite that high. So it all depends on where you are. If you're just below the cashing line and you have a few guys left and you think they're going to be highly owned and <clears throat> you have to figure out kind of what you want out of this. Like if, if you're close to cashing and in these NFL contests, they're big, like in some situations, there are thousands and thousands of people who are cashing. Yep. You go in saying, do I want to try to play for like a min cash, get two times my entry or sometimes not even that much? Or do I want to pivot off of this and go for the top? And sometimes you're way too far away and you can't get there. But there are sometimes you're like, actually, if this, if these three or four guys that I could get all hit their max projection, like I could win this GPP. And so you're trying to figure out at that point, like, what do you want to play for? Because if they don't, you're going to get zero. <laughs> so um, you're kind of playing in yeah. this, you know, how do you want to play? Do you want to play it kind of safely? And you're going to be able to see uh, all of the, you know, how many people ahead of you and what spots they have left. And you can kind of get an idea of what players are going to be popular or not. Like you, if you see some, if there's a lot of ownership in the early games and then all of a sudden it looks like the later games are going to be all kind of under-owned. Uh, do we want to go for an under-owned guy in an under-owned game to help you move up? And again, it's it's a riskier endeavor. I mean, that's kind of what why guys are low-owned because they tend to be riskier. But it's kind of the same concept of like the, uh, the late swap in GPPs allows you to go to guys who may be, uh, you know, if you're well behind, you take the riskier guys because if they go off, you're going to do really well. And frankly, if you're way behind and you take the safer guys, you're going to end up way behind because it just doesn't help you to move up. And so it allows you to kind of increase your risk in a situation where you're going to lose. You know, if you, if you take the safe guys, you're going to lose, you're going to definitely lose because everybody has them. But if you take the riskier guys, like you might win, you will probably lose, but you might win. And so it at least gives you more upside uh, in a situation where you're probably already out. Yeah, and I think it's a good point that you need to know kind of exactly where you are. There's a difference yeah. between being right at the cash line and being right behind. You know, not cashing is you know very different, different levels. And with a GPP, I mean, you know, in order to win or finish, you know, top, you know, three percent or something, GPP, you've got to have almost everybody in your team do really well. So you know, you know, early on, if you had a, a couple of guys that had you know three point four points and here and there, you know that you can't win. So then you've got to try and figure out, you know, what do I need to do to try and cash? So it's a different, uh, it's really different. Where you might be right on the line and you're like, oh, you know, all my guys went off. I still have four guys left. You know, like you said, if this, this, this happens here, I've got actually a chance to win this thing or finish up high. Um, I think that really changes kind of your, your thinking because you, you just, you're in the, your different spots. You can be way behind. You can be kind of behind where maybe some of the safe guys doing well helps you get to that cash spot. So it's really, uh, you have to figure out, you know, how badly you're doing if you're doing badly before you figure out if you want to swap. And, and you even need to think about, like, let's say you're in, you have a few guys in the late game, but in the, in the late uh, group of games, but in the early ones, let's say you punted at tight end and defense and your punt tight end scored two touchdowns out of nowhere. Yeah. 
and your defense. And you, and you know, and you know what percentage owned that guy is because that game is going on. Exactly, exactly. So you you have this kind of, and even so, you have this like, let's even call it moderately owned punt tight end because they happen. People, um, you know, corral around certain guys every so often, and he goes off for these two unexpected touchdowns. So these are two touchdowns that you have that not many other people have, and other people are now chasing that. And even if uh, Kelsey and Kittle are playing later. Uh, you have these two touchdowns that at, at significantly lower cost uh, already in your buck in your pocket. And let's say your defense scores two touchdowns and defenses usually aren't all that highly owned. So let's say you have these two fairly low owned guys or positions in the early games that have been that have totally paid off. Now you can use late swap. Let's say you have a few guys in the later games that are kind of off the radar, you don't actually need those guys to be that off right. the radar now. Now you've is already, the time. You've already, you've already hit your off the radar. Exactly, win exactly. Yeah. And so you don't, you know, those things have hit. And so now what you want to do is take the guys who are most likely do the, those consistent floor guys because you just need the, the the points to bring you up. Like the the you already got the ones that put you near the top, and now you just need the ones to keep you there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really good point and one that uh, I probably have a little bit of a blind spot on. I, you know, I tend to be a little stubborn. I'm like, well, you know, these are the guys I liked, and I, I'm gonna you know, stick with them. But you, you make a lot of good points, especially in GPPs, that uh, different ways you can use it. I think it's uh, it's a it's a tool that I think I'll be using more this year than I have in the past. Yeah, it's uh, I think and it's kind of weird to to do this when you're like, I, I really like the guys that I had, of course. and you you're like, well. There, there was a reason I picked these guys over the others. And now you're telling me to like go in and change them all. And it's like, well, the reasons you like these guys are the reasons everyone else ahead of you who might have them like them. And right. again, if it, it doesn't benefit you, if you're behind and you have the same guys as the people ahead of you. And so, you know, sometimes you got to just scrap the guys that you really liked. And at least you get the confirmation that your process was right <laughs> because everybody else has these guys. Right. But, you know, in order to actually win, you need to get off of them. Yeah, that's uh, it's a it's a good it's a good and fun, uh, fun topic. It's really interesting. It's uh, it's definitely helped me uh, think about it a little bit. So it's uh, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things about DFS. And, and this probably I mean, it, it still applies a little bit in season long, m- more in like the drafts and, and auctions part of it, which I think those things tend to get closer to the DFS way to play. But like the whole like, well, just knowing football uh, only gets you so far. Like there are, there are strategies specific to daily fantasy sports that uh, kind of are sports agnostic. Like they, they apply to all of these different sports. So like this late swap strategy applies just as much to NBA and NHL and soccer uh, when they're, when we have these staggered starts than it is for NFL. Um, but it's something that like people are using and it just, they just happen to be using it in fantasy football and so that's why it's important to understand what they are. If you're somebody who's now trying to get in thinking like, oh, I've been really good at season long fantasy football these years. I'll just start playing DFS because I know the players and all this stuff. And there's there's more to it than just knowing the players. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, so I had received uh, some questions about uh, some money management and uh, how to do that. But so I wanted to ask you about that. But first, a note from our sponsor, PlayBalto.com. Looking for another NFL Pick'em contest? Well, we have one for you, and you compete against Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, who is hosting a, a free-to-play NFL Pick'em contest with our friends at www.playbalto.com, and Balto is B-A-L-T-O. The winner takes home $1,000, and the GOAT himself already has an early entry in the contest. Um, aside from competing against Joe, you also get to see his picks every week and find out if his football IQ translates off the field. What are you waiting for? Join today at playbalto.com. That's P-L-A-Y-B-L-A-T-O.com. And Andrew, I want you to know the read called Joe Montana the GOAT. That was not me improvising. <laughs> I was wondering if you had already entered already, you know, because... Uh, I might uh, I might now. That'd be, it's a, that sounds pretty fun. Would you prefer the $1,000 or like dinner with Joe Montana? Uh, dinner with Joe Montana easily. Uh, you're going to have to up the money a little bit for me to consider that uh, the other way. Wow. But would you pay a thousand dollars to have dinner with Joe Montana? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, money, money, money one is different than um, money given away. Good I point. Suppose. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Uh, that's uh, yeah. you caught me on that one. It's a good way to get out um, of that one. So it, ter- it was. So in terms of, um, 
you know, if you're doing well, if you're doing badly, you know, how long of a downturn in, in, in a football season? Like if you're if you're sucking by week five, like are you starting to reduce your volume, reduce how much money you're playing? And in the same way, if you if you win the first four weeks, are you you know, when do you when do you kind of go to a higher contest? Like, uh, you know, money management, bankroll management is kind of a, a personal question. Depends how much you play. But in terms of general stuff, you know, how long of a, you know, a downturn do you have to figure out, like, maybe I'm not doing this very correctly before you start to re- reduce your volume? Yeah, the tough thing about football is the season's so short, um, yeah. even though when you're in it, it feels like an eternity. But um, <laughs> so it's tough to get like a real sample of how well you're doing. I mean, obviously, if you deposit a bunch of money and by week four, it's gone, like, you know, you're not doing well. Um, but one of the tough things about or one of the benefits, excuse me, of DFS is because there are a number of different ways to play. Um, the, the, I'm just not good at this may not be the answer. Like it could be that you're good at a certain thing, uh, about daily fantasy football and not others. And you're just focusing too much on the ones you're not good at, as opposed to the ones you are good at. And so the, the, how long for a downturn, like I, for football, I review my results every week. Like I look at every contest and I think Generally, because I play mostly cash games, it's easier because I have one lineup usually for all of my cash games. So I go back and I say, if I got slaughtered one week, I go back and I say, like, why did I lose? Did it was it? Did I make a bad lineup? Did I have a bad injury? Like it was bad luck. Like what was the reason for it? And um, the more you play, it the more you can see, you know, if you made a mistake or not. Like I think it's and subsequently. Did I make a mistake and got lucky uh, or did the lineup that I that I built and crushed was that because of my process? And so um, one of the benefits of playing in these bigger field double ups pretty much in any entry is um, ownership percentages will tell you kind of where other people were. And you, you can look at other lineups and say, like, oh, I considered this guy and he ended up being. 48% and I actually wanted, I played this other guy who was 8%. And if you, if you don't understand why the one was 48 and yours was eight, then you, that's part of your process. Like that's, that's a mistake in your process. Um, that doesn't mean that the 48% guy was, was the best, the better play, but it just, you have to understand why people went that way. And so, uh, when you're reviewing your results each week, each week, um, that's what you can do. You look at your lineups, uh, is, was my lineup good or bad? And if it was good, uh, why didn't I win more? And that's where you can go into, um, kind of what contest that, that goes more into contest selection than doesn't bankroll management. So let me go back to the bankroll management. Um, it's really up to you. Like we, we say this and there, there's a general thing that goes around the DFS community that like 10% of your bankroll is what you should play each week. And then how you break that down cash or GPP is kind of also a very personal thing. But like theoretically, if you're playing 10% of your bankroll each week, then if you lose the first week, your second week of volume is going to be lower anyway, because 10% of a lower number is going to be less. And so you can just keep going that way. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the way you think about bankroll management. If, if that's the t- discipline way you want to play it. Um, but a lot of what people think is uh, poor, poor lineups or uh, depending more on bankroll management is really about contest selection. And it's a topic that we discussed a little bit previously, just in terms of like what kind of contests you should do if you're playing cash and, and GPPs. But um, we have a tool on RotoWire. It's called the DFS Analy- Results Analyzer. There are other sites that have them. Um, where you download your entire contest history from DraftKings or FanDuel or Yahoo, and you upload it into this tool, and it'll tell you your overall ROI, which you could figure out pretty easily on your own based on how much you're playing. But it also will break down like how you do in cash games and how you do in GPPs, how you do in head-to-heads versus double-ups, what how you do against specific opponents in head-to-heads. And like that's really where you can go in and say, and if you're losing at every level, then that, that at least tells you that you're losing it. You know, yeah. you know that, and maybe you need to change your process or maybe this is just not the site for you. Cause that's another thing that people kind of can do is, uh, you know, there are lots of places to play, uh, f- daily fantasy football. Like we generally talk about DraftKings and FanDuel and Yahoo, cause those are the big three, but there, there are others. 
And if you are not successful on one site, but you are very successful on another, just play on the one where you're successful. Like I think people get very drawn to like the, I can win a million dollars this week, but if right. you're losing while trying to win a million dollars on one site, but you're winning, trying to win $50,000 on another, why not just focus on trying to win the 50,000 instead of losing right. for the million? And so, um, contest selection goes beyond just like whether you're going to play double ups or GPPs on DraftKings. Like it's maybe I need to spend more time on Yahoo because the, the player pricing works out better for whatever, however you build your lineups, the process that you built for DraftKings is actually better for Yahoo because uh, maybe the half, half PPR is better for the way you're, you build lineups and you think about football. Like there are so many ways where you can adjust how you play or excuse me, adjust what you play that could be just as beneficial to your ROI as changing your lineups. Yeah. And it's one of those things I think that you, you mentioned tracking your results, but I mean, that's just so important. And the Rotowire tool, I'm actually going to use that. You sure have, I have not used that before, but I actually, I'm very organized in some parts of my life and very disorganized in others. <laughs> and this is one that I'm very organized. I keep a spreadsheet every week of how I'm doing in every sport. I have a tab for each sport. And it's one of those things. I mean, you, you are still, it, it's fun, but you are still playing for money. And that's an you know, important thing for people. And obviously it goes without saying that, you know, you should never have any sort of bankroll in this that you can't afford to lose. I mean, it should be a, a side, a fun thing for most people, unless you are a professional. And then that, you know, that's your own thing too. But I really, I, I really track, you know, the, the GPP versus cash game is really important to me. I track, you know, am I, putting too much money into GPPs? Am I trying too hard to win this? You know, we always use million dollars as the kind of thing, but whatever, whatever that big number is. And that if you play a single entry, maybe it's $25,000, but if yep. it's uh, you know, whatever that big kind of, am I, am I spending too much time and energy and money trying to tra chase that where, you know, maybe I'm, I'm making a really nice profit in cash games every week. And, you know, I need to you know, move a, a percentage of my bankroll towards more cash games and still, you know, have those fun trying to hit the big winner. If you hit one big week, you know, that's fantastic. But, um, you know, I think it's really important to not only track your results, but study them and, and keep them in a, a, a format that you can use every week and you add to every week. Because I think a lot of people, you know, week three, they're like, oh, I'm tired of doing this. I'm just going to play. And all of a sudden you look up a week 10 and you're, you know, you're down $2,000. You're like, what happened? Whereas if you were tracking it and kind of figuring it out, you tend to not get on that slippery slope if you're really looking at it every week. Yeah, totally. And particularly with head to heads. Um, and this, this is like a concept that bothered people a lot early on that, um, this idea that like pros were going out and specifically like targeting other, like lesser opponents. Right. Um, and, uh, I think that still exists and it's something that like you should do also like the, the idea with a head to head. And I, we said this previously, but like, you need to get this idea that like, it's two people, you and somebody else putting money into a table and one of you is walking away with it. And yep. the, the amount that you win, like if you have two head to head entries in and they're against somebody who is a professional daily fantasy football player and somebody who has never played before. Um, if you beat them, you get the same amount of money. Like you're not, you don't get any extra in a head to head for beating somebody who is really good versus somebody who isn't as good. And so it f fundamentally, you want to play against people who are not as good. Like it, it benefits you to play people who are not as good. And so part of this uh, results tracking is you can go in and say, I have beaten this other person, uh, you know, 10 times in a row. And if you see that they have head to heads posted, like you can go take it because you know that that's going to be an advantage for you. And so, um, you know, it, it, it feels a little weird to be like, I know this person's not good, so I'm going to keep playing them. <laughs> but like, that's kind of what we're all trying to do here. Yeah. And on the flip side, if someone's kicking your ass every week, just play someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it really is as simple as that. And, um, yeah. DraftKings allows you to like block people. So if you go out and post head to heads, then there are people who can't take them. Uh, they give you 10 spots to do that. Yahoo is unlimited. And so the, really the fundamental thing about these things is you want to play against worse people who are worse than you because it's easier to beat them. Simple as that.
And you make a good point. I mean, the NFL, there are so many players that you can, you know, if you don't want to play against someone who keeps beating you, you don't have to play them. You know, you met, you mentioned soccer where, you know, you don't have quite the, uh, the head to head, uh, you know, choices. So it's one of those things in football, there are so many people playing and so many different price levels. I mean, you can play a thousand dollar head to head. You can play 50 cent head to head. So you can, you know, I usually jump in the, you know, two, five dollar, ten dollar sometimes and and play some multiples. But, um, you know, you can play at any price level you want. You can play against everybody you want. But in the NFL, it's so important to know that you you don't have to force it. You don't have to play someone who, you know, you think is good or you don't want to play against or keeps beating you. Just play someone else and look for people that, you know, you you have some success against and the the tools and the tracking will help that. But, you know, in the NFL, like I said, there's so many choices. You, You can use that to your advantage. Yeah, one of the things that um, these sites do is they'll put like a little badge or something next to players' names based on their experience. And yeah. it it makes sense on the surface. It's a little weird because it's not sports-specific. And so you could be playing somebody and you're like, oh, he's, they, they have a the full experience badge. And it could be because they play a, a ton of baseball and have never played football before. Right. And yet here you are trying to play them in football. So it's a little weird that way. And they have some reasons for not making it sports specific that whatever. Um, but right. Uh, or you can get someone that, you know, happened to just hit one GPP once and they lose every other time. Yeah, and they absolutely. had that, that badge because they win a certain amount of money. So it, there's a lot of things that go into that. And there are some people who are really good at GPPs and are terrible at cash games. And if you see them in cash games, you'll want to play them, even though, you know, they've won the millionaire maker, but that's so far from a cash lineup that maybe it, it benefits you to do that. But um, the other thing for those who are starting out, um, there is a thing on, on DraftKings where if you have over a million dollars in entry fees, meaning you have entered into contests as much that it equate, it's more than a million dollars now, you cannot play in cash games that are below $5. So if you're starting out and you're like, I don't want all these like professional guys to like take my games, like they can't. If you're posting on the on you know ones and twos or threes, like they're they're out of it, and so it at least gives you a slightly better odds to to cash in these situations. That that doesn't mean that there aren't people who haven't reached a million dollars who are very very good at this, but it at least takes out those the ones who have been playing for a very long time and have been very successful from taking the games of people who may just be starting out. Yeah, it's funny. I'm not a I'm not a professional and I do a multi-entry, but I'm blocked from those games on FanDuel because I had one big weekend. So I go. can't I can't enter those like three dollar double ups, whatever that I get. I forget what the uh, what the what the floor is, but I, I get blocked from contests, too. So that's a good point that, you know, you can avoid people who play a lot or have done well just uh, just entering the correct contest. Yep. And Yahoo offers some that don't that are like people who don't have any experiences like they right. have to enter once you hit a certain number of, of entries, not even dollar wise, just if you played long enough, now you can't enter the, enter these beginner contests. So, um, I find Yahoo to be the friendliest of for beginners just because, um, I think they're, they're generally, uh, built for more, a more casual player. And so if that's kind of where you, um, you think you are, then it probably behooves you to focus initially on Yahoo because DraftKings and FanDuel is generally where a lot of the professionals play. Yeah. Before we get out of here, I have to uh, I have to jump off to something else here. But uh, I want to talk about some uh, some offense we're excited about in the in the kind of the first quarter of the season. But first, a note from our sponsor, Yahoo. You segued that very well with your positive talk <laughs> about the Yahoo there. It's officially August, which means fantasy football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball to let you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players. It's no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Like the opposite of late swat. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Uh, Focus on the best part about fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? With free best ball leagues on the Yahoo, you'll get the most accurate ADP, average draft position, of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season long? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams on Yahoo. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. So real quick before we get going, uh, we, you know, we're two weeks from the season. Uh, we've seen a little bit in preseason, although, you know, I don't take much into that considering one of the games last night was actually played in the 80-yard field because of <laughs> holes in the end zone. Um, but there are some interesting stuff. And I think the most, the most chatted about one so far is kind of what to do 
with Kyler Murray and the, and the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury offense these first couple of weeks in DFS. They have looked terrible in preseason, but they have actually said, you know, we're not showing plays. We're not actually doing what we're going to do, which is, you know, interesting from a strategy aspect, but scary from a, well, how are you going to do it well once the season starts if you haven't practiced it except for in practice? Um how do you feel about uh, the Cardinals offense uh, kind of going into week one, week two of the DFS season? You know, what wide receiver do you think is their their go-to guy? How are you going to deal with these guys early on before we really know what the offense looks like? So the weird thing about the Cardinals uh, is that it seems like there's a huge disconnect between uh, people that write about fantasy football and people who write about real football. And everybody, it seems in fantasy football is really fired up about the Cardinals. Like they think Kyler Murray is going to be great. The fact that he can run um, puts him in like a tier, like it, it moves him up uh, from where we're used to seeing rookie quarterbacks because we know how valuable rushing yards are now. Um, Everybody's like thinking like David Johnson's back uh, because they, they, this offense is going to be built around like getting as many plays as possible. And then the other side is like, this team could be awful. Like (laughs) there's, you know, that nobody's talking about the Cardinals going to the Super Bowl like they're talking about the Browns. And so it's kind of this weird dichotomy of like fantasy and, re- and real life. But um, I'm super excited, like uh, not to like go into week one already, but everybody's like, oh, the Cardinals are so cheap. They're going to be a popular stack in week one because because of that. Um, and they're going to run all these plays. And like, uh, you know, it's it's just nice to be able to have something that's like new, like the the oh, for this, sure. I mean, we obviously have seen passing numbers go up so much in the last few years, but now we have like a situation where we're like, oh, if you think that's high, like watch this. And it's just fun because like points are fun. Fantasy points are fun. And we're kind of expecting like a ton of this. And I feel like from the fantasy perspective, there's very little uh, negativity about the Cardinals when it's possible they're awful. Like what happens if Kyler Murray is terrible? Yeah, it's very real and very possible. And, you know, who knows? Kingsbury has, you know, scored a lot in college. But obviously, the, you know, sometimes the, sometimes the college game translates. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you look at someone like Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, that, yeah. That first year with Philly was really good. Yeah. And Michael Vick was really fun. But, you know, he failed in San Francisco. He he failed in Philly in years, you know, two and three. Or maybe he was only there two years. But he failed those that, that next year. And even now at UCLA, he's not done anything to light up the scoreboard. So, you know, a lot of this is players. And, you know, hopefully Kyler Murray fits in the system. It looks like he does. Because, I mean, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, coveted him and, and talked about him being the first pick before he even got the job. And, it's interesting we talk about late swap. They uh, they play uh, their home against the Lions week one at, at, at the one o'clock start my time. It's uh, it's one of those games that you know if you're uh, if you're behind uh, you know gambling on that Cardinals offense might be really fun. Well, or unfortunately, if you're behind and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm behind and all these people have the Cardinals. Now you're like convincing yourself that Matt Stafford's like really good again. <laughs> I mean, and I think that that's a good point because I don't think the Cardinals a defense. Nobody talks about that is an interesting thing. They're going to probably be pretty bad. Patrick Peterson's not playing the the first few weeks. Uh, I think it's four four or six weeks for mm-hmm. the suspension. But it's a uh, it's an interesting one because I think you're right. I think Kyler Murray, you know, at the price will be pretty popular. People are really excited about it. That might be an interesting swap off if you're if you're behind to go like you said to go to a you know a Stafford Kenny Galladay yeah. suddenly it becomes really fun and interesting. If you get a if you get a game where the Cardinals offense is pretty good, it's going to be a shootout. And it might be a fun game either way. Right, right. And it's like, you know, if everybody has David Johnson, all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe carry on Johnson's going to be now I have to use him because I, I have to catch up and everybody ahead of me has David Johnson because everybody thinks the Cardinals are going to be awesome. I love carry on Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Prove From it. A, uh, not yeah, not to not to go to the uh, too much season long. But yeah, in drafts, I love carry on Johnson. I think he's going to be I think he is really good. And I think with Theo Riddick out there, he's gonna out of there. He's gonna be more involved. I I liked him at Auburn. I like him now. I think he's a, he's a really good play. Mm-hmm. One other offense I want to ask you about before I gotta jump out of here. Sticking the same conference, uh, same division actually. Um, the 49ers, who is who I root for, another team that uh, Garoppolo looked horrible the other night, and uh, he was one for six for zero yards. Threw a couple passes that like looked like a bad Division two quarterback. Like, bad <laughs> decisions, bad balls, getting tipped at the line. But tipped at the line happens. But like just reacting to pressure poorly, and you wonder, you know, he hasn't really been hit yet. So you wonder, you know, he doesn't get hit in practice. He doesn't get hit, uh, you know, working out and training his facility. So you wonder, you know, if he's if he's still waiting to get that really 
first big hit and kind of feel see how the knee reacts. So you know, everything he says is confident about it, but you know, until you get that first hit, a lot of people say you don't really know and you know how it feels. And then kind of when you get that, you get to normal. But how do you feel about the the Forty ers offense? You know, who is Kyle Shanahan? Obviously, with the offensive coordinator with the, with the Falcons, he was a you know they had a monster season. The Matt Ryan won the MVP there. Um, you know, they were they went to the Super Bowl, should have won the Super Bowl, blew the Super Bowl. You know, some of that was his fault with some play calling, but. You know, if the 49ers are going to score, which I actually think they will, you know, is there a running back you like there? What wide receiver breaks out? How do you feel about this offense kind of going into uh, into week one and in the, in the season as a whole? Scott, we've gone six weeks talking about how we don't care about preseason and you're breaking down all six I, of Jimmy Garoppolo's throws in a preseason game. And I have to say that I don't care about them. I think he's going to be really good. But you know, people <laughs> have been – I think, I think A, I think that game affects his percentage week one, and I think it affects his draft price in season-long league. I think people are actually reacting to those six passes like they're important. Which is funny because they, apparently they don't matter for Kyler Murray. Yeah, it, it's weird how it, – it, it's definitely been a, a, a not a, not a fair playing field with those two. There's a lot of people that have been making excuses for Murray, but Garoppolo – I mean, I see people like, well, I wonder what's happened with if they, it, what the, what the, how the money works if they can cut him after the season. Oh, gosh. Come on. There actually are those articles right now. It's absurd, <sighs> but they're out there. Like, here's how much cap they can save if they just get rid of his contract. And I'm like, dude. A, he was 5-0 and when he came back. And yeah. last year, you know, he didn't look great those first two games, but didn't look terrible. And then the Chiefs game, he got hurt. He played three weeks. He's played like nine games in the NFL in yeah. all his years. With a, I think he played like one full game in New England. He you know, came in a couple times when it was a blowout. But I mean, this is a guy who had not, has not played a lot and has looked really good when he's played. I just think people are writing him off way, way too fast because he, he looked like crap for six passes in a, in a game in, in, in August where the offensive line looked like garbage, too. The Jimmy Garoppolo NFL story is like really interesting. Like it, it, it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so in terms of the offense, like I think there's going to be a point at the season where like Tevin Coleman or uh, Matt Breida wins a GPP because yeah, like nobody too. wants to touch it. And it's one of those where you're like, well, I'll just take one and hope he goes off. And then he does. Um, it's it's, a, it's an interesting team just because um, they've got what feels like 74 wide receivers who like could be fine but none of them are like super elite but kittle's super elite and so we always want to like look at teams and are like well who's the wide receiver one who's the wide receiver two and in this situation like they're both firmly behind kittle and so um it's kind of a i think when you're if you're going into a game you're like oh the 49ers are going to kill whoever they're playing this week um it's weird to be like well that i'll let me get kittle first um but it seems like that's going to be the guy that you're going to want to go to all season. And then the other ones are kind of are significantly riskier. Obviously any of them can go off at any point, but uh, Kittle seems like the one who's going to be the popular guy. Yeah, I think so too. Especially, you know, you look to week one, they're, they're at Tampa Bay. That, that promises to be a really fun game. You know, the Tampa Bay offense with Bruce Arians is going to put up some points. A lot of people like Jameis Winston this year, but uh, looking at, uh, you know, not to spoil too much week one, but uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo Marquise Goodwin combination has always been uh, good since he's been there. Uh, Goodwin was bad last year, had some personal stuff, had some injuries. Uh, he's 4,000 on DraftKings week one. Again, I'm not going to spoil week one, but uh, in a GPP, that is going to be a heavy big play for me yeah i i it's yeah not to go into week one too much but um but i agree it's like one of those situations where um it seems like it's just calling out to be taken yeah so i i he's kind of forgotten but you know forgotten in the general season-long aspect but i think dfs players will probably uh will probably know that uh, goodwin at 4000 interesting gpp play so i don't think he'll be as quite as uh, under the radar as maybe we hoped but um yeah it's gonna be fun it's uh, i'm looking forward to breaking down uh slates with you and actual players i think that's gonna be uh, a lot of fun and I think we come out come at it from a little bit of different stances, so I think that's going to be really valuable for listeners. It's going to be fun for uh, fun for me to kind of talk through with you. Is you know you're you're probably uh, you know a significant portion cash, and I play a little more GP. So I think it's going to be fun to kind of talk about guys from the different angles that we look at them uh, as we break down slates. Yeah, I think there's going to be a very clear point during one of the podcasts where you just flat out where I talk about some player, and your response <laughs> is only going to be something like, "You cannot win a GPP with this guy." I, I have no doubt about that, but uh, it's also good that you'll tell me that uh, Marquise Goodwin uh, should never be a cash play. You moron. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say never. I don't want to say never. <laughs> right. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, Who I knows? hope I, I'm hoping you call me some names at some point. Or <laughs> 
I tend to just say them under my breath, but I guess the microphone can sometimes pick up a little more than I want it to. Oh, I can I can feel the under the breath things uh, very well. <laughs> so, if there's one thing I'm good at, it's reading people for what I do in my oh, regular right. life. There so you uh, go. There you when, go. when you're when you're uh, when you're saying bad stuff about me under your breath, uh, trust me, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Yahoo uh, Fantasy Football Podcast, the DFS version, the, the Friday version. Uh, again, I'm Scott Jenstead, joined by Andrew Laird. If you want to follow Andrew on Twitter, he is at RotoWireAndrew. I am at Scott Jenstead. If you could please rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you enjoyed listening to us, you know, obviously we'll get uh, we'll get into a lot of details as the season starts and we start breaking down slates. But uh, if you could rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. Leave us a bunch of stars, leave a nice comment. That would be fantastic. Hope everybody enjoys their uh, their their week. There are all the fancy football drafts are going on and now. It's a fun time in fantasy football. We look forward to it. Also, we'll talk, uh, talk with you uh, next Friday. Look forward to it. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.